Bruchem welcome everyone to tonight's special event hosted by Chazak. I want to thank my dear friends, Rabbi Lan Meirav, Rabbi Yaniv Meirav, Rabbi Abov, for organizing tonight's event. And please take a moment to consider the great contributions of Chazak to Klal Yisrael, especially in the area of enrolling public school students in yeshivas, which is literally Hatzalas Nefashos. So whatever you can do to support this worthy organization, then Tavay Alecha Bracha. And tonight's special event, featuring the Sefer Magid Horakia, is sponsored by my very dear friend, Rabbi Rabbi Newman, who runs Chickens for Shabbos. We've mentioned this name in the past, and by now, this should be a name which is very familiar and very dear to you, which they are dedicated to the most noble uh, endeavor, and that is feeding Yidin and those who need it most, feeding Rabbeim and Yeshivas, feeding women who are Grushois, Amonois, Agunois, really the most downtrodden and the most needed members of Klal Yisrael, because without our Rabbeim, then there is no future. If we don't have uh, teachers for the next generation, then we don't have hope for the future. So by supporting Chickens for Shabbos, you could go to the Yad Eliezer website, and there's a special icon for Chickens for Shabbos. You press Agunois, Grushois, Malamdim, and there's no overhead. Please do whatever you can. Tonight's special event is dedicated to the humble Sefer Magid Horakia. This Sefer is very dear to me because this is uh, the first Sefer that uh, the Ivan Sham gave me this cost to. Uh, be able to be Maitzi La'ar. And I want to thank uh, all those who are Mashtatev in um, helping me produce the Sefer. First, I want to thank my dear friends, Rav Meir and Shane D. Fuchs, for being really the first to see the future success of this project and for really supporting me and supporting this Indian. And I want to be Mavarech them. They should only have Simchas and Nachas and uh, good tidings in their family, and may the learning we do um, in this evening, may it be Elizachus for Rav Meir's father, Rav Shmuel Moshe, Ben Rav Meir Fuchs, who is Nifter on Yud Gimel Teves, Tavshin Samach Bez, and Le'ilei Nishmas, his mother, Chana, Bas Rav Meir, who is Nifter on Rosh Chodesh, Adar, Tavshin Mem uh, she was Nefteras on Aleph, Rosh Chodesh Adar Beis, Tav and may their family know only Simcha Sanachas Abi Eskel Tzedek. I want to thank my main Oirach and Koisev, Rav Aaron Jacobi, who is an amazing editor. Thank you so much for your participation and making this possible. And the Sefer Magad Arakia, many ask, firstly, why is it called Magad Arakia? And that I cannot reveal on this particular occasion, but I do refer you to the Hakdama of the Sefer on page Yud Aleph, and there you will see exactly the reason for the name. But why did uh, I choose Purim? Well, there are many reasons. There are many uh, reasons al Pimach Shaba. First of all, the Chidah says Purim is the Shoresh of all the Yavim Taivim. All the Yavim Taivim are rooted in Purim. In fact, Purim stands for Pesach, Vesukas. I know what you're thinking. Oh, come on, Vesukas. Yeah, the Bnei Yisachar speaks about why Sukkot is alluded to in the letter Vav, and 
Reish is Rosh Hashanah, Yod Yom Kippur, and Mem is um, Matzois, or Mem could stand for Moyadim, Sa'ayin Sham in the Chida. But what's very interesting and personal to me is one of the reasons I chose Purim is because my grandfather, he should live and be well, well Hashem Yishmareyu V'chayeyu L'Erech Yom V'Shanim Harav Mardechai Leib Gladstein Shlita was a Rav in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for over 70 years and Kanai Nahara, now he's been well over Mea Shanim Hashem should watch over him and give him long life but 75 years ago he was in all the dark places he was born in Lipna in Poland. He was a Talmud Muvuk of Rav Menachem Zemba, a Ben Bayis by Rav Menachem Zemba. He has smicha from Rav Shloima David Kahana and the Tzadik Ranana. In fact, uh, many want to know, why am I so busy with the Tzadik Ranana? Well, my grandfather has smicha from the Tzadik Ranana, and it happens to be that Tzadik Ranana was my grandmother. My grandmother was the daughter of the Rav of Sachachev, Rav Yudalev Volman. And uh, Rabbi Yudalei Volman was a chavrusa of the Tzadik Ranana. But my grandparents were in all the dark places. Uh, my grandfather was in Auschwitz and in Radom and in Dachau. And he was liberated in 1945. And he dedicated his life to breathe life into the uh, embers of the survivors. Lahachayos Ruach Shefalim. And since they overcame Amalek, since they overcame the Nazis and the German people who are Amalek, and they did not really know the day of their birth, and they didn't know what day to celebrate as uh, their Yom Huladas and the day of their salvation, so they reckon Purim as their Yom HaYeshua and day of salvation and day of birth, and therefore for our family personally. The Yom Tif of Purim is the root of everything, is the source of our existence. And therefore, it was uh, hopefully the appropriate way to begin with the uh, Yom Tif of Purim. And as we've mentioned many, many times, the um, Yom Tif of Purim, we never accepted as a Yom Tif. In the Megillah, when the Yom Tif of Purim was introduced to the Jewish people, Mordechai wanted it to be a Yom Tif, and the Jewish people said no. It can't be a yamtif. We don't want it to be a yamtif. We'll give Mishlai Achmanois, we'll have a Suda, but it can't be a yamtif. And the Mikubalim explained the reason why we didn't want to accept it as a yamtif is because if we would accept it as a yamtif, we would have to make Havdalah after Purim. And a Jew could never separate from Purim. We are so connected, we are so attached to the yamtif of Purim that we can't bring ourselves to separate from it. Now, I will tell you, when the prospect of writing the first Sefer came up, I was somewhat maybe haunted by a very scary warning of the Chsam Sefer that is found in Shal Tshuva's Simen Reish Ches. And this is found in our Hakdama on page Vav. And the Chsam Sefer says that any author who writes a Sefer and mixes in his mind has an admixture in his thoughts, well, I'm writing the Sefer, of course, to be Marvitz Torah, but maybe people will know about it, and I'll be able to, so to speak, expand my reputation. Says Achsam Sefer, that is a terrible crime. 
And the, the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avais, Negid Shema Avad Shema, that one cannot uh, have intention to try to spread their name or reputation. And then the Chassam Soifer says, aside from the fact that uh, their project will not come to fruition, but says the Chassam Soifer, it is an Isser Da'iraisa. Isser Da'iraisa? How could it be an Isser Da'iraisa? Well, it says the Chassam Soifer, since the oral law Dvarim Shabal Peh were not allowed to write down, we know Dvarim Shabal Peh Kiyal Pi HaDvarim we're not authorized to write down the oral law, and the only reason we're allowed to write it down is Ace Lasois Lashem. It's a time to do for God that otherwise Rebbe felt that if we would not write down the oral law, it was in danger of being forgotten. That means the only heter to write down the oral law is if a person is acting L'shem Shemayim for the sake of God to ensure the security and the eternity of the Torah. However, if one is not doing it Lashem, but rather doing it La'atzmoy, then there's no heter and it is an Isser Da'iraisa. Wow, what a scary uh, opinion of the Ichsam Soifer. And in fact, with Moshe Sternbach in the Moya de Mazmanim, he comments on this, that Ichsam Soifer has been Noyal Delas Lemechaber Sefer Im Chidushim. Chassam Soifer has in effectively locked the doors of any author of a Sefer because who can claim that their sole intention is purely for the sake of heaven without any personal benefit? However, as uh, we bring in the Hakdama to this humble Sefer, the opinion of Sam Sefer is not unanimous. And what inspired me to write about this subject is one of my favorite Sefarim, where the Sefarim of a by the name of Rav Shleima Warman, who wrote a series called the She'eris Yosef. And I particularly enjoy his farm. He collects and he finds uh, from obscure sources and from little-known Svarim of great giants, and he really has compiled magnificent Svarim, and he discusses this subject at length. And I had the privilege when I was uh, living in Queens, when I was in Koylal in Queens, and when I was a Rav in Queens, to be very close with Rav Shleima Warman. In fact, uh, the, when I started writing, the first uh, articles I wrote were for this, uh, the Hamar uh, journal, and I used to bring it over to Rabbi Warman, and he would uh, edit it and correct it, and he really inspired me to begin the writing process. And... I was uh, quite close to him. Rav Warman was the Talmud Muvuk of Rav Lazar Silver of Cincinnati. And when uh, Rav Warman passed away, the family uh, shared with me part of his library. I have a number of his svarim. And Rav Warman discusses this Chassam Soifer and he quotes the Evan Shlema. The Evan Shlema is a commentary on the Ravan from Rav Shlema Zalman Ehrenreich. And Rav Shlema Zalman Ehrenreich says that if I would not be scared of the coals, the burning coals of Sam Sefer, I would say that somebody who writes a Sefer, even for his own reputation, is not in any way violating the oral law cannot be written down. And that is because we find in the Gemara Sachem a person should always learn Taira Mitzvahs, even Shaloi Lishma, because through learning Taira, Shaloi Lishma, one will come to learn Lishma. And the only issue and the only problem of learning Shalai Lashma is if you're learning what is called Lakantar. You're learning, you're not learning for honor, you're learning to cause the rabbi to stumble and to misstep and to be argumentative. 
that's inappropriate. But if you learn for some kind of ulterior motive, the Gemara says that is noble. So says the Evan Shlema, that if someone is writing a Sefer, even if he's doing it for his own personal reputation, this is all included in mitoich l'shma, shaloy l'shma, bal l'shma, and can be considered eis lasois l'shem. Furthermore, quotes Rav Warman, in the Sefer Afar Kesasa the Anya of Rav David Sperber, he also discusses a Chassam Sefer. He says, first of all, that which Chassam Sefer is positive, it's an Isser Dairaisa, to write down the Tarsha B'chsav, the Tarsha B'alpel without a valid heter, that is certainly una- not unanimously maintained. And if you look in the Taisus Yishanim Masechta Yuma, Taisus Yishanim says it's only mitzvah min hamuvchar not to write down the oral law or not to recite the written law by heart. So it's not a, a definite iser. Furthermore, the language of the Gemara is Dvarim Shabal oral word, Iatarashoi. You're not given license. It doesn't say it's prohibited. It says Iatarashoi. Furthermore, furthermore, if you're going to say that if someone is not Machavin Lashem Shamayim in his writing, it's an Isra Dairaisa then why isn't this halacha brought in the Torah, in the Shulchan Aruch, in the Rambam, that even though you're allowed to write Torah, if you're doing it Lashma, but if it's Shaloi Lashma, you're not allowed to. It must be, says the Sefer Afar Kasasa, the Anya, that really there is a blanket heter to write down the Torah for the sake of it being remembered, but... Even if somebody does it, Shaloi Lashem Shamayim, the heter is still present. And therefore, the bottom line is that one uh, is permitted, despite the warnings of Sam Soifer, to write Torah, even if there is an admixture of uh, improper motivation. In fact, Ramosha Sternbach in his Hakdama to the Maya de Mizmanim, he says, if he would not be afraid of the words of Sam Soifer, that nowadays when we write Svarim, we are even writing in with the consent and with the endorsement of the Chsam Soifer, and that is because we live in a generation where the centers of Torah have been greatly weakened after the Holocaust, and the Tamicha Chomim are not as prevalent as they once were, and their attitude in the street and the attitude in the world is Torah is not contemporary, it's not relevant, it's not current, and therefore it is so important to for the chinuch of our children that everybody sees the Torah is something that is so deep and so relevant and so contemporary, and that there's so much to write on every subject, and that breathes new light into one's attitude about the Torah, and therefore there is no question that Bizman that even the Chassam Soifer would agree that we are allowed to write Svarim despite the fact that our motivation may or may not be completely pure. In fact, Rav Shlema Warman, Zerat Racha, brings that he also says that Bizman Hazeh, if somebody writes a Sefer and his Iker Kavana is, he's writing a Sefer to glorify, to magnify the Torah to show the eternity of the Torah, and he also has some pro- improper motive, then this is still considered a slasis lashem, and he showed this idea to Rabbi Salah Jolti, and 
he, Rabbi Tzal Jolti said this is correct, and in his opinion, even the Chassam Sofer would say that Bizman Hazeh, it is permitted to write Svarim. Now, I would now like to, uh, so therefore, based on all the above, I uh, breathed a little bit easier, realizing that although when one writes a Sefer, one has to try their utmost to write and disseminate purely L'Shem Shemayim, nevertheless, Bizman uh, Hazeh, under the current circumstances that the Torah and Klaiso finds themselves, it would be permitted, even if a person would not be on the madriga of the Chassam Soifer to write uh, purely for uh, the motivation of Harbatsa Satara. Now, on that note, I'd like to share with you, as the Yom Tif of Purim is approaching, and we know the preparation for the Yom Tif of Purim is um, Parsha Shkolem. We know we lay in Dalet Parshiyos, Parsha Shkolem, Parsha Zohar, Parsha Para, Parsha Sachoydesh. This coming week, Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Adar, is Parsha Shkolem. And this past Monday we gave a shir on the meaning and the significance of Shkolem and Jewish unity. And now I would like to discuss that which the Gemara says in Miguel and Dafyud Gimel Amad Beis, where Shlaker says it is revealed and known before the one who created the world. That Haman was destined to mete out and weigh out Shkolem for the right to kill Klal Yisrael. And therefore Hashem wanted us to preempt Haman and to advance our giving of the Shkalim, to nullify, to abolish the, the power and the strength that Haman mustered by paying for the rights to kill the Jews. Now, amazingly, Toysus and Zion says that not only does our giving of the Machsas HaShakel, not only is that a way to preempt the merit of Haman, but Toysus makes a cheshben that if you calculate a matzah hashekel for each one of the 600,000 Jews, it would come out to exactly aseres alafim kikar kesef, 10,000 talents of silver, which is the amount that Haman paid for the right to kill Klai So we see there's this uh, parallel, there's this zelu umazeh, that our reading of Parshashkom, our giving of the matzah hashekel, counteracts the act of Haman. And the question is, and the obvious question is, what exactly are we counteracting? What kind of power did Haman have by paying for the rights to kill the Jews? He wasn't doing a mitzvah, he was doing a terrible sin. So how does that muster him any strength, any power? That's not a zuchus for Haman. And this question is actually raised by the Baal Nesivois HaMishpat in his commentary on Megillas Esther, Megillas Sisarim, and uh, the, uh, the Nesivois wants to know why do we need to counteract Haman's act? This is not a zechus, this is not a merit, this is a demerit. But the truth is, we find in a number of places in the Torah that if a Rasha does an act to achieve his evil plan, Klal Yisrael need to counteract that with some kind of merit to be mevatel his kayach. Here's an example, Bilam. It says, Vayokam Bilam. Bilam got up in the morning and he saddled his donkey. And Rashi explains, Bilam saddled his own donkey. From here we see, Sina mekalkeles es hashura. Hatred distorts the uh, normal mode of behavior. Bilam hated Kali so much that he literally 
went out of his way to do something extraordinary in his hatred. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Bilam, don't think you're so great. Don't think you're so powerful. Don't think you have such great merit over here. You've already been preceded by Avraham Avinu. Kfar Kadamach Avraham Avihem. Like the Pasuk says, Vayashkim Avraham Baboiker Vayachavosh Eschamoyrei. Now, from Rashid implies that we need to counteract the merit of Haman. Haman has some kind of zechus to his merit, and we have to overcome that. But wait a second, what kind of merit does Haman have? Does Bilam have? Bilam didn't do anything good by waking up early in the morning to saddle his own donkey to curse the Menei. So this is not a merit. If anything, this is a demerit. Bilam was risking his comfort and giving up of his comfort and acting unusually evil. So why would we need to counteract that? But the principle of this of this uh, Indian and the concept that we're going to bring out is enunciated and articulated by none other than Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zechazak, Lebrach, and the Darash Moshe, and Parshas Balak. Where Rav Moshe asks, what kind of merit did Bilam have that we need to overcome? Well, says Rav Moshe, a very important principle. When Hashem expects of us to learn Torah and to daven and to do mitzvahs, He expects us to give us His utmost. But what really is our utmost? How much could we do? Says Ramosha, the Yubanisham expects of us that the way we go about our business and our affairs that we're interested in, the way we go about making money, at the very least, we need to put in that energy in the way we learn Torah and the way we perform mitzvahs. And therefore, if you live in a generation where people work harder than they used to, then people need to put in more effort and energy in the way they learn. Because if they don't, there will be an accusation, a kitschug against Kala Yisrael, that they're, the, what they put into their ruchnias does not match up to what they put into their gashmias. And then Rav Moshe says, by the way, this is the deeper meaning of what, what Yaakov Avinu said about love and veloy lamadati mimas of haroim, and we're going to come back to that. Therefore, Bilam had a great ingenious plan to create accusation against Kal Yisrael. He's going to disgrace himself. He's going to jeopardize his comfort, give up his comfort, wake up early in the morning, do something beneath his dignity, because Bilam is going to send a message to God. God, let me telegraph the following. I'm willing to wake up in the wee hours of the morning and do something beneath my dignity for my evil plan. Will the Jews wake up early to daven, to come early to daven? Will the Jews disgrace themselves to do it for Torah and mitzvahs? And if the answer is no, Bilam has successfully created accusation against Kal Yisrael. Luckily, Hashem turns to Bilam and He says, Rasha, heck, Kvar Kadamach Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu already showed that for the sake of God, you could wake up in the wee hours of the morning and you could lower yourself to fulfill the will of Hashem. And therefore, applying this concept, we can now understand why Haman weighed out and meted out so much money to be able to destroy Kal Yisrael. Because his plan was, his evil intention was, look God, look how much money I'm willing to spend to accomplish and achieve my evil plot. The Jews don't spend so much money 
on their yeshiva tuition. The Jews don't spend so much money on their tefillin, on their dalet minim. So by me spending my fortune to destroy the Jews, Bilam was, uh, Haman was copying the method of Bilam, and that is to create an accusation against the Jewish people. Now, this, Rav Moshe says, is the deeper meaning of Veloy lamadati mimas of haraim, of what Yaakov Avinu said, I did not learn from um, Lavan's evil ways. It's very interesting. Yaakov Avinu says, he sends word to Esau, Im Lavan garti vo'echar adata, I lived with Lavan, and Rashi famously says, Im Lavan garti, v'taryag mitzvay shamarti, I lived with Lavan and I kept the 613 mitzvahs. And I did not learn from his evil ways. So many Mepharshim ask that uh, the words of Rashi are superfluous because if Yaakov Avinu kept the 613 mitzvahs, obviously and clearly he did not learn from the evil ways of Lavan. So why would he have to add Says Rav Moshe, this is exactly what Yaakov Avinu means and incredibly brings this exact pshat in the name of the Holy Chafetz Chaim in his Mamar Masay Lamelech Oisio Dalet. You know what Yaakov Avinu meant? What Yaakov Avinu was saying, he says, Esav, you can't mess with me. I'm such a tzaddik. I've kept all 613 mitzvahs and therefore I am invincible yeah, your father Yitzchak said that you could overcome me if I rebel against God. But I want you to know something, Esav. I'm immaculate. I've kept the Torah completely and perfectly. However, however, Yaakov says, I must admit, I do have some self-indictment over here. Even though I kept all 613, I must say, in this area I'm lacking. You know, I look at Lavan and I see how early he wakes up in his mor- in the morning to cheat people, to serve idols, to make the quick buck, to be deceitful. I see how interested he is in money, in pleasure. And I didn't learn from his evil ways. I could have learned from him to put in that energy and interest and enthusiasm when it comes to Tyro Mitzvahs. Now, Based on this side that we need to learn from the Goyim, how they do Averos and apply it to our performance of mitzvahs, the Kesav Seifer, in his Drashos, in page Kufpei Aleph, also found in the Igroi Seifrim, Simen Yurchas, gives an amazing taich, an amazing interpretation of a famous Gemara, Masech Davidazar Dach Bezim Bezim. Gemara says that God's going to come in with a big Sefer Torah, and he's going to say, whoever learned this, come and get your reward. So everyone's going to come. Well, the Gentiles are going to come and say, yeah, we uh, are involved in Torah. God says, you Romans, you're involved in Torah? Yeah, the Romans say, we made many marketplaces, we made many bathhouses, we amassed gold and silver. Everything we did was so that the Jewish people should be able to learn Torah. And God said, you fools, whatever you did, you did only for yourself. And then the Persians are going to come and they're going to say, we built many bridges and we waged many wars, also that the Jewish people learn Torah. 
And the question that Ksav Soifer asks is, were, were the Romans and Persians so uh, fickle? Were they so brazen as to lie to God and say that everything they did was so that we should learn Torah? That was the furthest, furthest thing from their mind. They built bridges to kill us on so that we should learn Torah? What is that supposed to mean? Says Ksav Soifer, no, this principle explains exactly what the Romans and the Persians are saying. All of their energy and efforts that they invested into their bridges and amassing of wealth and personal pursuit, in a way, is for us to learn Torah, to learn from it, to learn the enthusiasm, the interest, the drive, the motivation one can have for their pursuit, and we need to harness it and apply it to learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. And I remember many years ago, uh, I heard somebody told me that uh, Rav Eitan Feiner mentioned another detail of this Kasav Seifer, and we brought, bring this all in our Sefer, uh, Magad Arkia and Maimar Hey, that this explains the Gemara Megillah on Daf Vav. Now, I don't like to talk about this publicly, and probably none of you know about it, so I don't want to say exactly what it is, but this past uh, Sunday in the United States of America, in uh, a stadium in down south, two teams got together for something which was a, a major event. This event is broadcast all over the world. More people watch this event than any other event the whole year. I know you don't know what I'm talking about, so I'll try to describe. Basically, they take a chazer, and they skin it, and they form this oval-shaped kadur, a ball, and they're throwing around the ball. And basically, you have big, giant uh, individuals who are using uh, performance-enhancing drugs, and they crash into each other, helmet to helmet, usually shortening their lifespan. And this is what the United States of America and uh, the majority of its citizens are enraptured with. Now, for this game, Hamachuna B'Shem, football, Super Bowl, it needs tremendous hachanais. So typically, they can only play one game a week because so much planning and scheming and machination is needed to ha- have be successful in this game. And you need to recover. After all, you nearly jeopardize your life every single time you play this game. But the Super Bowl is so important, it requires two weeks of preparation. It's like the, the Machzah Sashekah, which is two weeks before the Yom Tov of Purim. And uh, this is captures the attention and imagination of not only the citizens of the United States, but all over the world. And the victor of the Super Bowl in the aftermath, who is one of the oldest players, everybody is now studying his work regimen and his daily seder hayoyim. When he wakes up in the morning, when he goes to sleep at night, what he eats, what he does, what he doesn't do, how he guards. And he says, look, there are many, um, re- there are many uh, areas in life that he has to give up and forego. There are many sacrifices he has to make in order to be successful at his craft. There are things, there's food he, he will not eat. There, he will not go certain places. He will not talk to certain people in order to be 
completely focused on the end goal, which to him is picking up that trophy at the end of the season. Now you'll say, why did I need to hear uh, that four-minute segment of Dvarim Betele Mamish? Well, I want to tell you, Gemara Megillah on Davav. The Gemara Megillah says, Amar Rabbi Yossi Bar Chanina, Maidachsiv, Finishar Gamhu Leilokeinu. Elu Batei Knesiyos Abatamid Rashis. Shabbat Adon. Vahaya Ba'aluf Bi'yehuda, Ve'ekroin Kievusi, Elu Tar Terais, Ve'karkasiyos Shabbat Adon, the theaters and the circuses in Edom, Asidin Sare Yehuda Lelame Bahem Tayyabarama, will ultimately be places where Tyra is taught. Here the Gemara is making an incredible prediction and prophecy that the great stadiums of the world, of Edom, of Rome, of America, will turn into Batei Midrashim. Now, we, this is a prophecy we've seen fulfilled in our own lives. MetLife Stadium, Madison Square Garden, was the home, the host of the Siamashas. But I ask you one simple question. Does our Torah really need to be taught in Madison Square Garden, in MetLife Stadium, in Heinz Field? Why do we need to learn Torah? Well, let's learn Torah in Panovich, in Lakewood, in Tarvadas, in Yeshiva Chafetz Chaim. Why do we have to learn Torah in MetLife Stadium? Why have to learn Torah in the Superdome? Learn in the Bells Base Medrash. No, don't make a mistake. It's very important that we go to the place of the Super Bowl and we learn Torah there. You know why? Because if you're just going to learn Torah in the Base Medrash, yeah, you're going to learn. You're going to sit back. And say there starts 9.30, so you roll in 9.50, withholding your tea and your coffee, sipping your tea. Look, Shachris is 7.30, 7.40, roll in with your tea. And uh, maybe you check out your phone during the davening. No, 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 no. This is not acceptable once we understand that we are held accountable to behave at least commensurate with the way the Gentiles accord themselves when they are focused on their ambition and their goal. And if you're playing for a team and practices 5.30 a.m., you better show up 5.30 a.m., otherwise you're penalized. And if you roll in 5.40 with a coffee, then you could lose your job. People come into shuls rolling in with coffee Minutes after it starts. That's not the way tefillah is supposed to be. A player is not allowed to look or glance at their phone while they're involved in their avodah. But forget the infractions. Let's talk about the enthusiasm, the focus, the energy. You go to a stadium, you go to Yankee Stadium in the playoff baseball. And it's the eighth inning. And there's a tie game. And there are two outs and it's bases loaded. The stadium is reverberating. It could be registered on the Richter scale. There's energy in the stadium. Say, what does that have to do with me? Good for them. No! It has everything to do with you. Because if that's the energy and the enthusiasm and the focus that the players have and that the fans have, when they're involved in their ambition, then when it comes to Lima Da it has to be with the same regimen and discipline and focus and energy and enthusiasm. No less. 
And therefore, we're going to go to the stadiums. Because if you're going to learn in the base Medrash, you're just going to remember the way you used to learn. This way, you need to go to the stadium and recognize that if the game is 1 p.m. on Sunday, the guy comes three hours before to tailgate, to have breakfast and lunch, and hachanois. You have to be mechin for something important. You need serious hachana. And you need to be dressed up. You don't just go to a game. You have to have the paraphernalia. You don't just go into a davening. What are you wearing to davening? I don't know. I'll throw on a t-shirt and jeans. It's not how you go. If you're a serious player, you have to wear the trademark garments that are associated with your tefillah. Whatever affiliation you have, there are certain modes of conduct and dress and behavior which are at the very least expected and demanded. So how are we going to do this? We're going to go to MetLife Stadium, Madison Square Garden, and we're going to remember the energy and enthusiasm of the players and the fans, and we're going to harness that and focus on our Limara Torah and our mitzvahs and our tefillah in the same way. That if davening is called for a certain time, we're going to be there well earlier, prepared, dressed, with all distractions away. When it comes time to learn, we ain't sitting back, lounging around with a coffee. No, no, no. We're primed, ready for the game to start, ready for the mitzvah to begin, and to give it every ounce of richuz hamachshava, a focus of our mind. This is a great lesson. That Haman understood. And Haman was trying to nail us. And that's why he gave so much money to be able to destroy us. And luckily we're able to match him. But it gives us a, a new perspective in life. Because one can now look around the world. And whatever one sees in among the nations of the world, the way they conduct themselves in their affairs, that is should be applied to our learning of Torah and our performance of mitzvahs. So if uh, one would like to see in the Sefer, it's Maim Revav in the Magda Rakia. The, this Sefer is available in uh, all the local farm stores distributed by Levitz Publishing, Levitz distri- Distribution, and it's available on our website. You have over here, rabbidg.com. Um, all the farm are available in Lashna Kodesh with free shipping, the Magda Rakia on Purim, on Pesach, and Alakadimer Anini. And Bezos Hashem, if anybody would like to uh, participate in the publishing of future Svarim, Bezos Hashem on Sefer Bereshis and others, please let us know. Thank you so much, Chazak, for hosting tonight's event. Uh, thank you so much, Chickens for Shabbos, Rabbi Newman, for sponsoring tonight's event. Wishing everyone bracha v'atzlacha, Bezos Hashem, next Wednesday night will be the final Magad Arakia event before Purim. And then, Bez Hashem, before Pesach, we will continue on the Sefer on Pesach. Wishing everyone bracha v'hatzlacha v'chol tov selah.